Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This episode is part two of our amazing interview with Alex Timbers. It continues from part one, obviously, that just dropped a few days ago. So if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to stop, back it up, and listen to the previous episode. But before you do, please visit us online at ttp.fm. Show your support via ttp.fm slash Patreon to get advanced notice of these interviews so you can submit your questions and many, many other opportunities to help us out and get our episodes transcribed and lots of things that we're trying to do with, uh, with the contributions that we get. So with that said, please enjoy part two of this episode with Alex Timbers. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. One, two, three. You used a term earlier that called the emotional on-ramp. But mm-hmm. I've never I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's brilliant. Because um, I was I was as you were describing the issues, I was thinking like, uh, yeah, how, you know, how early can you relate to the characters, and I guess how much do you sympathize with them? And calling it an emotional on on ramp is that something you use a lot? No, I think uh, no, I think it's a term I. Uh, uh, First time used it as on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heard it here first. Emotional on ramp exclusive. Um, yeah, I, I really I really like that because. You come on stage, you want someone, I guess, yeah, there's intention. The characters have the intention. You want the audience to relate a certain way at certain times. And so how do you convey that? It's costumes, it's lighting, it's the acting itself, it's a song. Yeah, there's so much that you have to play with. Yeah. So I don't envy the the, the, the need to go back and like address negative reviews, I guess. Yeah. If, even if they were all positive, would you still go and tweak it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think... Uh, you know, you listen to the, the the thing about previews that's so wonderful uh, is you know every audience is seeing a performance that's only happening once, right? Mm-hmm. Because the day before you changed a bunch of stuff, the next day, based on their reactions, you're going to change a bunch of stuff. So they're seeing like version you know 300 of this show, and that will never be repeated again. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I love that time. You know, Here Lies Love, we did, you know, we we did three workshops. Then we went to Mass Mocha in Massachusetts to do a, uh, a lab of that. Then we came to New York and, di- you know, and, and did a production. Then we did another production. That era of process of getting to go back and layer new things and strip mm-hmm. away things and understand what the audience is responding, responding to and how you can uh, make their emotional response greater, I think is... It's really it's thrilling, and that's that's the most fun part I think about uh, being a being a director and a storyteller in theater. Have you found that the 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 there's our generation, and it's like you know I'll call myself forty now, the forty and up uh-huh. that have seen the movie and and love the movie that come in and have a different reaction to to the younger kids 
now the, the, the 20s and late teens or whatnot who are coming for the first time and don't know the story until they see it on Broadway. Is, is there a different reaction, like, like stage door reaction or social media reaction between the two? Or is it all kind of just like, this is a great story? Uh, you know, it's interesting because the audience, particularly this summer, I think as they've gotten to uh, like teenagers and stuff have really gotten into the uh, the show. And I don't know if they knew the movie that mm-hmm. well. But I think what one of the things that makes that movie an evergreen uh, is that is beyond the sort of Bertonian kind of visual style, which is so uh, so unique. Uh, it's it's the story of outsiders, mm-hmm. you know. And I think people see themselves in those characters. People see themselves in in, in Lydia and Beetlejuice and the Maitlands, and so that's been really fun. And you see it more and more, like at the theater, where uh, you have like people dressing up as the characters. You oh, know? really? Yeah, and originally, it's too, you know, maybe this is this is interesting that, you know, originally it was people, you know, our age that was were dressing up like Beetlejuice coming to the theater, dressing up like a teen goth. Uh, but now it's actual teenagers doing that. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's, re- you know, uh, I think that's really cool and great. That's so much fun. Yeah, the props, the sandworms, the costumes. Do you have a favorite prop or a favorite costume? I love the shrunken head guy. Oh yeah, from the netherworld. Yeah, totally, totally cool. Um, if if you were going to take one thing home with you, what would you want to take out of the show? Oh, that's amazing. I, you know, I I love the sandworm. I have to say, it's just it's it's cool to see a puppet of that scale and that has that kind of. Uh, life mm-hmm. um to it uh because it, it's you know it's jaws open and it birds another sandworm inside it and smoke comes out and it's bloodshot eyes light up it's just uh, i think uh, michael curry really sort of uh did such an amazing job with that one and and there's uh, you know and that that sandworm comes in two parts there's the head and then yeah. there's the tail from the other side of the stage yeah. which is an inflatable and uh yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love all the props in there. Do you go back to see the show a lot? And do you, how often do you get to back to go? How often? <laughs> how often do you get to go back and see it? Uh, I see the show probably every two or three weeks. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I, uh, I you know I'll go back if a if an understudy is on sometimes, and because I'm excited to cheer them on, and uh, you know, and, and then just generally I'll go back for show maintenance uh uh you know at that point you know the show really is the stage manager show and the actor's show and so i also just try i don't want to be too much in anyone's hair and you know overstay my welcome you yeah know? yeah i i don't know i feel like if it was like my baby that i've been working on for nine years i would go back and be like this little thing is just not quite right can we go back do you give notes when you go back so yeah I, i'll give notes but i try not to uh yeah, but just it's sort of more general notes. Uh, the I, when I did Blay Blay Andrew Jackson, it was my first experience on Broadway, and I wrote that show with Michael Friedman, and so it felt very much like you know my baby in the way you're you're talking about uh, that kind of idea. And I went back too frequently, and I learned my lesson. I think I drove the actors probably crazy. You know, they were very generous and kind, and you know, but. Uh, so I, I just learned on that show, you know, you've got to give space. It's, you know, the performances are growing, uh, uh, the, the show evolves and, you know, that's, that's an exciting part of the process of doing theater. And so, uh, that's the balance, you know, I, that I hope I've found in a little more maturity. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you're also I'm going to move on to TV and film a little bit. Co-creator of co-creator of the of the Amazon series Mozart in the Jungle. It sounds like when you list bios like this, it, and I'm talking to you, and you're sitting here, and just a real person, like you've you've directed these multi these multi million dollar productions and these great things, and like you're just co-creating the show that now the the world can go watch. How does how does this happen? I mean, how easy is it to just go? co-create a show and get it on Amazon. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I got approached by Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola, uh, who were just wonderful guys, and they had uh, the rights to this book, and they were, uh, you know, interested, I think, in having someone kind of who was in the kind of performing arts community uh, collaborate with them. Uh, in the pilot stage, uh, an amazing filmmaker named Paul Weitz came on, who's like one of the kindest human beings in addition to being one of the most talented and and uh and they sort of you know and then the show was off and running uh i i think one of the things that was really exciting about that was just seeing how a whole new world works and and uh and i loved i'm sure you do too as a sort of fan of shows that shoot in new york like seeing all these sort of uh theater titans mm-hmm. uh, you know i love watching succession that's one of my favorite shows and and watching just you know like all these amazing this is uh, Maisel. Yeah, yeah, theater actors popping up left and right. It's just it's uh, it's so sort of gratifying and exciting and and uh, feels a little like um uh, where's Waldo in a fun way, you know because <laughs> you you hang out with a lot of them personally. yeah. Um, oh, hello. One of my favorite shows I've seen I, one of my favorite shows ever to have worked on. Yeah, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. How, you're friends with with John through the com- the comedy scene, I guess, right? Uh, I actually, the way I got involved with that show was it all comes back to Blay Blay Andrew Jackson. All these all these things we're talking about uh, after that show, and I think after the Pee Wee Herman show, I got a call about having a coffee with Nick Kroll. And so this was maybe 2010, 2011, and we had this coffee. He was wonderful. He's a wonderful guy, and uh, and it was so fun. And th- that was sort of it because. We were lived existed in a different world, mm-hmm. and then in 2015, I remember this because I was putting up a production of Rocky the Musical in Stuttgart, Germany, and I had the flu, and I got this email from Nick saying, "Hey, do you remember me? I have this show. Do you remember me? I'm yeah. working with this guy, John <laughs> Mulaney, and we're doing this thing down at Cherry Lane. It happens like in three weeks." Uh, there's no, uh, like it doesn't exist quite yet. <laughs> you know, would you, could we collaborate on it? And, uh, of course, you know, in those moments you just say, oh my God, well, I, I don't even really know what, I wasn't so familiar with Gil and George, uh, the characters, but I was like working with these guys. Absolutely. Um, and it was this sort of heavenly experience. Uh, they were, th- this is sort of extraordinary. I think, uh, uh, theater makers will really think this is as amazing as I do. They were teching the show at Cherry Lane during the day and night, and then at midnight going to the UCB and performing the show, like which was at that point two hours long, and uh, and performing it for a live audience and, yeah. and trying out jokes and cutting jokes and the next day coming into tech and saying, hey, we're going to do this again. So, so that's one thing that's extraordinary about them. Two, we were performing on Colin Quinn's set. So they... We were like, there's an entrance up right, there's an entrance down left, and we started tech. We never worked together before, and we were like, hey, top of show, do you want to enter uh, up left or down right? And they sort of looked, and they were like, 
let's do up left. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's, that's really how we blocked the show. And we went through it once and I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, are they going to remember any of this blocking? They've only done it once during tech and they remembered it all. I mean, they are like not only such brilliant comedians, but they are, uh, you know, they know exactly where they want to be. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and it was incredible. And the lighting designer was was also like, I've never experienced something like this before. <laughs> All my like, he is like, I don't need to adjust anything. <laughs> uh, the, the whole set there, um, it's it's like they pulled in props from, uh -huh. from old shows. Is yeah. that real? Is there actually a, a, a warehouse somewhere that has all these iconic props from big shows? No, well, so it was kind of a riff on this, because the Colin Quinn set, yeah. we were like on someone else's set. So the Broadway set, which was done by Scott Pass, which was so beautiful, which was like these different uh, sets from different other shows cobbled together, uh, was sort of a riff on a, on a riff in that way. Uh, he knew none of the sets uh, from like the August Wilson play or Steel Magnolias were real sets. But I do think that some of the, there was this rack of gramophones from my, I Am My Own Wife. And we had the same props designer as I Am My Own Wife. And we were in the same building as I Am My Own Wife. So I think some of those gramophones might have been the gramophones. There really? you go. Really? Fun fact. <laughs> and then got, they got filmed um, and put on HBO, as did P.B. Herman's show, right? P.B. Herman got filmed. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Oh Hello's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, Netflix. yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's so amazing when you you know you make something it's ephemeral and then someone captures it. It's really awesome to have that. Is that what you is that where you like theater to head? Like to have after it's done on Broadway, it gets captured and released wider, or, or do you prefer it to kind of be more localized and live? Here's here's what I love about about theater. Like the first show that got me really excited about theater was Tommy, and uh, and that was you know uh, this. So it's felt like the first show I'd ever seen where uh, the boundaries between like pop music, popular culture, music, video, visuals, all that felt bridged with this sort of theater world. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the stuff that I love uh, sort of exists in those worlds where where where, where the, the sort of area where two worlds meet. And one of those is the comedy world and theater world. And I think you look at Pee Wee or you look at Oh Hello, and there's something really sort of exciting and unique when you have the live comedy event meets a play. And uh, so something like that, it feels like just naturally there'd be, particularly with those performers, Paul Rubens, John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, there's an appetite beyond, uh, you know, the type of, you know, the number of people that can fit into a limited run, I think to see something like that, I think it's really exciting to have people be able to access that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No 
purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Is yeah. there something lost, do you think? Like, when I, when I watch a comedy on TV that I've seen live, it, I always feel like it's never as good. I don't, I don't connect. Because I can pause it. I can go to the kitchen. Yeah. I, my, someone can come in and distract me. Well, it's definitely different. You know, the, the communal experience of being in a space with, you know, like seeing Oh Hello with 900 other people, it's... It's thrilling, but I guess, you know, next to not having anything, True. I, totally, it's great. Uh, you know, it was really a fun experience was working on the uh, John Mulaney's Radio City show uh, because in that instance, we got to, we're simultaneously building a show for that live audience at Radio City, but also filming it for Netflix. So mm. you're thinking about it from both, you're thinking about it for the camera and uh for the audience in the theater at the same time. And that, that was really exciting because there you're trying to make it, uh, you know, from the birthing of it equally great for, for both audiences. Oh yeah. So you you know, ahead of time you're planning for it specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you still work with John a lot now? Uh, he, he's a friend and I, yeah. you know, I love to work with him again. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Such a fun guy. Everything he does. I love, I, I actually, I watched the Netflix special. So yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it was very funny. Oh, good. Um, okay, cool. So it seems like you've always got a lot of stuff happening simultaneously. How do you actually decide what to wake up and work on in a given day? It's uh, a great question. I mean, the the because musicals, which are the thing I primarily work on, are are take so long to sort of come to production, and and you know some never see the light of day. Uh, it you, you don't really get to plan your life as much as as one might think. You don't get to say, okay, this year I'm doing Brigadoon, next year I'm doing a new musical by so-and-so. Uh, and so uh, a lot of it's governed by uh, sort of everyone else's schedules. You know, what, what, when is everyone available to do the workshop for XYZ? And so then you're sort of gearing up for that. I think the thing that's uh, the plate spinning aspect of it is, is, is really those shows that are in deeper development where you're sort of uh, cr- trying to like kind of always push them along a little bit. Like mm-hmm. every week, how can I help that show go to the next level? Is that, you know, by by doing a piece of development, is it doing a writer meeting? Is it talking to a designer and going through sort of looking at renderings? Mm-hmm. And and uh, those that don't have a like sort of deadline that's looming are, are the ones I think that are the ones that are always the bigger sort of challenge. And, and then those shows, you know, then when Beetlejuice happens, you know, when suddenly at a certain point, a show gains a kind of critical mass momentum, and then suddenly it's happening, you feel a real sense of pride and victory when, when that thing that for like four or five years was sort of felt like, is this happening? Is it not happening? Is suddenly like you're, right. you're in, you're in rehearsal for it. It's a, it's a thrilling uh, feeling. Yeah. Hmm. And it, well, you said you feel a victory, of course, when it makes it, a, do, you, do you take it personally if something doesn't? Uh, if something doesn't uh, reach production, uh, yeah, I mean, well, like you know, you root, they're like your children. You root for all of them, and you, uh, you know, you want them all to succeed. And you definitely, you know, particularly for uh, for the writers, you want people's work to to uh, uh, to get their due chance to, to to be seen and received, and uh, and hopefully for the writers to be celebrated in mm-hmm. the way that they they you know they do. Do I, I love the writers I get to work with. I feel very lucky and I love the collaborative process. Uh, there's so many other mediums where you don't collaborate. Theater, particularly musical theater, is very, very, very collaborative. In it. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I just adore about it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I could. I, I was going to say I don't know if I could take the rejection, and then I was thinking, well, it is. Is it rejection? Is it not rejection? But I guess it is sort of, you know, the the production side of rejection. Actors deal with rejection every day with auditions and sure. and whatnot. But I guess yeah, the the production side. I guess you could have an idea that doesn't get picked up, or you have a workshop that you're like, oh, that's just not working. Let's cut that. Is, is that so? You have your own rejection to deal with. Is that does that hurt at all? Is is I mean, like I said, is it actual a personal thing, or are you just like, yeah, it's just part of the business. Shrug it off. Oh no, everything's personal. I mean, it's creative, it's artistic, so everything is. But uh, I don't know. I think as I'm getting older, I, I do understand that sometimes uh, you know shows that I'm excited about that. No one else is excited about that. Maybe that's a good <laughs> indication. They, maybe uh, maybe they're misguided. Uh, so I, you know, I, and I think that uh, yeah, I don't know that I have a great articulate answer for that. I apologize, uh, but yeah, I you know you you yeah, that's what I got. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a good place to wrap up here. So at the end of the podcast, I ask everyone three standard questions. Please. The first one is what motivates you? Uh, motivate, uh, motivates me. I think it's the, the artist I get to work with, you know, just thinking about that actor I get to collaborate with today. Oh, that designer I get to see what they're working on. Um, that, uh, th- that's the stuff that, that inspires me and, and gets me excited about every project. Okay, so the second question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? I think, you know, the thing that was really profound for me was the uh, not waiting for opportunities, like creating your own opportunities. Uh, I remember hearing this, I was an intern uh, at a theater company right out of college, and I remember hearing this adage that you have to have gray hair to direct. And uh and I kept reading about, you know, read, read Time Out, and I was reading about all these productions, and I was like, oh, gosh, everyone's like my age now, or in their 50s or 60s that's directing these shows. And, uh, and so I, I realized that no one was going to hire me to direct Tennessee Williams or Thornton Wilder or something like that, and I had to go make my own theater. So I created my own theater company really as a vehicle to get hired to direct things. Um, and uh, so I, I, th- I think that's important is to, you know, whatever... Uh, part of the the theater industry you're in to take as much agency as you can to um, not rely on others uh, to uh, to you know for to pursue your art as much as as much as you can create your own art yeah mm-hmm. yep and then final question if you could only see one show for the rest of your life but you can see it as many times as you want what would you see oh uh, gosh. Uh, I love Spring Awakening. I'd love to see Spring oh, yeah. Awakening over and over again. I think that show's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Good answer. Okay, so of course, visit uh, Beetlejuice online, BeetlejuiceBroadway.com, and you can connect with Alex on Instagram at Alex Timbers. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com or thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon to show your support. Theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please rate, leave a review. Produced by Jillian Hockman, edited by Matthew Hendershot, and thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music, and then Alex Timbers. Thank you, thank for, you. for this wonderful conversation. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.